0: I think you are. Um, just um, after Christmas, Terry and I uh, came back from uh, Poor Elizabeth, and uh, since I've been back, I've just been conscious that there are a lot of people in in the in the body that are sick at the moment. I don't know if you're aware of that, um, but, um, but quite a lot of people have um, and are facing some some big challenges, health challenges, and uh, so. Uh, something that we always do, it says, is if any one of you is in trouble, uh, we should pray. And so what we want to do this morning, we want to pray for people. And we want to bring them before the Lord. So what we're going to do uh, is, is this in our time of prayer. If you're aware of somebody that's sick and you want to bring them to the Lord, all I want you to do, we'll have a time uh, where it's quiet, is to, is to mention their name out loud. You don't need to pray further than that just to mention their name. We're going to come before the Lord. We're going to trust God for his work uh, in people's lives. And so if there's somebody you want to bring to the Lord this morning, that's what we do as believers. That's part of our culture. As Christians, we bring people to the Lord uh, when they're not well. So Father, this morning, what a privilege we have where you invite us to come with boldness, where you invite us To come and bring our needs to you, where you come and invite us uh, to stand in the gap, to intercede on behalf of other people. Lord, it is such a privilege that we can do that right here this morning. Lord, we don't need to wait for a special place or a special time. Lord, your heart is always open, your ears are always attentive. Uh, Lord, when we come and pray, and so we are so grateful for this today. We are grateful this morning that we can bring before you people that are on our hearts, people we know, Lord, who are facing uh, health challenges, people, Lord, we know that are really going through maybe a very difficult season uh, in their lives this morning, and thank you, God, that you are with us, and thank you, God, that you hear our prayers, and thank you not only that you hear our prayers, but your grace is sufficient, and you're the God of miracles. And, Lord, it's in that spirit we come to you and we say, our Father. Because, Lord, we know that you are a Father who gives good gifts to them that ask of you. And, Lord, so we come full of faith and full of trust and bring people before you this morning in Jesus' name. So feel free to mention the names of people. Father, you, as people have called out those names, Lord, you know way more than the name. You know the person. Lord, there's nothing hidden from you. Uh, Lord, you know our hearts. You know our deepest thoughts. Lord, you know when we are praising you and we know when, you know when the struggle is hard. And I just want to praise you for those words that you said, uh, that you spoke and said, when you go through the fire, you will not be burned. When you walk through the waters, I'll be with you. And Lord, we thank you this morning. That you do not sit on a throne in heaven, but Lord, you enter into uh, what we are journeying through. And you are our hope, and you are our strength, and you are our rock, and you are our hiding place. And Father, we just pray this morning, minister to people, minister to families, minister to loved ones. Lord, we pray, may there be miracles and signs and wonders. Lord, may there be places in which people experience extraordinary grace and strength. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> right, um, this morning, if you look across on the board there, on my left, your right. Um, you'll see that we are starting a new series. And the series is called The Church at Work. And our focus over the next four weeks is going to be on what we do during the other six days of the week. That's what it's all about. You might be sitting here this morning saying, well, I'm retired. Uh, I don't go to work anymore. Uh, Well, this is not just about being at work. It is about the marketplace. It's the culture. It's the society that each one of us live in. And when we speak about uh, the other six days of the week, not for a moment, uh, are we downplaying the role and the importance of what we do together here on Sundays. The, we're not trying to create sort of a, uh, a Sunday and then the rest of the week, but we recognize the value of what we do Uh, on Sundays as well. You remember that the the first believers, the Bible told us that the very first gathering of believers, they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles, uh, what we would call studying God's Word. They devoted themselves to prayer. They devoted themselves to bread and, and, and they loved being together. And I want to just stress this this morning, both in homes and in the temple courts, In other words, they they met together in small groups and they met together in a large group. Some people say, well, this place has got no value. Well, the the early believers believed in, in meeting together wherever they had an opportunity. But followers of Jesus also understand that their lives will have an impact wherever they are, whatever stage of life they are in, everywhere, all the time, not just on Sundays. Being a follower of Jesus does not just mean you don't swear at work, or you don't tell dirty jokes, or you're not racist. It is being salt and light every day of the week, whatever you're doing and wherever you are. Can I say that again? Because some people have the idea that Christians don't just do bad things. May I say to you, Christians are people who are salt and light wherever they are every day of the week and whatever they are doing. Now the other day, I came across the title of a book that uh, encapsulates what we're going to be talking about over the next four weeks. And, and the, the title of the book is so startling, it, it made me do a second take. It's called "Loving Monday." Now now I could think of uh, I, I can understand a person calling a book "Loving Friday. Um, but loving Mondays is a little bit uh, out, of, uh, out of my paradigm. You know, Friday means it's weekend. Friday means it's time out. Friday means there's less pressure. There are fewer responsibilities. But Monday, for most people, is the start of a new week. Monday is the day they get back to work. Monday, they get back to the responsibilities and the grind of the week that lies ahead of them. Monday means going back to work. Monday means taking kids to school, and that's coming on Wednesday. Monday is the day they get back, maybe to caring for grandchildren. Maybe some of you care for grandchildren here this morning. There's a variety of different things we go back to on a Monday. But in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus gave a description of what he called, and I want to use this phrase over and over again this morning, and some of you have heard it, and some of you uh, are familiar with it, and some of you understand what it means. He calls it the kingdom of God. He gives a description of the kingdom of God, which is not a particular place, but the kingdom of God exists wherever he rules and wherever his power is evident in somebody's life. So whenever you think of that phrase, the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, I want you to think of it like this. It's wherever Jesus reigns in a person's life, and wherever his power is at work in somebody's life. And what Jesus said about the kingdom puts a whole new spin on what Monday is meant to be like. Matthew 5 and verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. You, this morning, us sitting here this morning, we are the salt of the earth. Will you say to yourself, I know we're not in a classroom here this morning, so say it quietly. I am the salt of the earth. I don't want anybody to go out of this meeting this morning, this building this morning, and forget that we are. Okay? So Jesus starts off. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Then he goes on. He says, you are light of the world. Again, will you say to yourself, I am the light of the world. We are. Us sitting in this building this morning, we are not only salt, he says, we are. We are the light of the world. And then he uses an analogy as he talks about this being the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And then taking that analogy, says in the same way, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So what Jesus is saying over here redefines the way we are to think about ourselves. That Jesus is wanting us to think differently. He's wanting you to think differently. He's wanting me to think differently. He's wanting me to say to myself when I leave here on Sunday, John, you are the salt of the earth. John, you are the light of the world. It's about me. It's about who I am that he wants me to think differently. And wherever we are, Whoever we are with, whatever we are doing, remember you are salt and light. That means, for those of you going to work tomorrow, you are salt and light. If you are meeting with friends tomorrow, you are salt and light if you have an appointment with somebody tomorrow, you are salt and light. You see, salt is, is something all of us are familiar with, aren't we? Everybody familiar with salt yeah. Okay, good, that's, that's nice. And every, all of us are familiar with light. we I mean, got the lights on this morning. Hopefully we're familiar with it. Now, back in the day, Before, there was such a thing as a refrigerator and long-life milk. Salt was primarily a preservative. Today, when we think of salt, we think of putting salt in our food to flavor it, don't we? But back in the day, salt was a preservative. It was, as I've said there, a substance used to preserve against decay. And, And the value of salt in that time that Jesus was speaking was its ability to prevent something from decaying. It would prevent it going bad. It was what we call a preservative. So Jesus is saying, when he speaks about salt here, he's saying this is what the kingdom of God is like. It has an ability to prevent things from decaying and going bad. You are the salt of the earth. But then Jesus goes on to say, you and I are the light of the world. And we all know what happens. Have you ever been in a very dark place uh, where where things were really dark and the light was switched on? What happens? You are able to see what's in the darkness. That's what light does. Light is is the natural agent. That's a definition, by the way, if you want to look in the dictionary. That makes things visible. It enables us to see what the darkness is. Has been hiding. So when Jesus said, You are the light of the world, what he meant is when there are kingdom people around, other people become aware of God. Okay? So he's using an analogy of light. He's saying, You're the light of the world. And he says, When people of the kingdom, citizens of the kingdom are around, other people become aware of God what was previously hidden, and that's God. You see, Jesus wants these people that he's speaking to to know that because of who they are and because of what he is doing in their lives, other people will become aware of God. Here's the thing. Those of you going to work tomorrow, you are the light Jesus was talking about. For those of you going for an early morning run with your friends, maybe some of you on Monday, you put on the old joggers and you're on the road and you're going for a run with friends. May I say to you, you are the light of the world. If you're going to be visiting friends, you are the light of the world. Now, Jesus didn't live it, leave it here. He highlights that what makes salt useful is its ability to preserve and prevent things from de- decomposing. It preserves things, it prevents things from decomposing. Look at look at what he says in verse 13. But if salt loses its saltiness, in other words, if salt loses its ability to prever- preserve something, it's useless. There's no other use for it. Now, the question I want to you to ask this morning, and the question that I've asked myself this morning, what in the world does that mean? It's all nice to talk about salt and being salty, and salt's a preservative, and that's all an analogy, but what does that mean when it comes to you and me being salt? What I think it means is that followers of Jesus add value wherever they are. You see, salt as a preservative would add value. They have a, an effect on people. They have an influence on the environment around them because of who they are. Now I want, I want you to see that the kingdom of God, remember we're speaking about the kingdom here. Jesus is describing the kingdom in Matthew chapter 5. He's talking about the citizens of the kingdom. And you see the kingdom of God preserves the truth about God. There is never a place where His people are going to be that people can forget about God. It preserves that. It prevents the lies of the enemy taking root. There can be all kinds of people all over the show that say there is no God and we don't believe in God, but God's people are going to say we do. It is going to preserve something. It preserves hope, and it, pres- it prevents people being overwhelmed with fear. May I say to you something that I've noted as a Christian leader, how many people are fearful at the moment. They're fearful because they don't know what tomorrow holds. You'll remember me telling you last year, Ravi Zacharias, who's who's a Christian apologist, been like that for 40 years, he said, never before in all of his ministry of 40 years has he found so many people so uncertain about the future. It preserves the value of honesty and integrity and humility when people start becoming ungodly. Isn't it amazing? Wherever the kingdom is evident, people will not sit back when there's ungodliness. Somehow, through what they say, through what they do, through how they respond, they make it known they value godliness and honesty and integrity and humility. They preserve it. It preserves what's good when evil and greed try and take over. And it preserves and it upholds the value of people because people are created in the image of God. Did it give you an idea of what Jesus is talking about over here? That, that's what it means to be salty, that's what it means to add value, to preserve something. Here's the thing that struck me because we might not always believe this is true of us. We might downplay the influence that we think we have. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. He didn't try and convince people. He told them. You see, there are some of you tomorrow saying, my life will never have any influence. I'll never impact anybody else. You see, the point is, you don't know. That's why Jesus told you. He is saying, I want you to know That your life is having an impact like salt has an impact on preserving things, preventing things from decaying, from keeping things going in a certain way. He says, you are going to do that wherever you are. Believers this morning, if you know Jesus, let me say to you, you are salt. You are salt. My sense was this morning that there are many people struggle with that, but he said, you don't know me. I can't say boo to a mouse. I'm one of those quiet introverted peoples. I like to stay in my corner and stay at my desk and you are the salt. You are the salt. But then Jesus goes on and he says, and I want to emphasize this like a city on a hill and like a lamp on the stand. We must let our light shine. How? Through the good deeds we do. Okay, now I want to ask you a question because I think most of you are fairly intelligent people here this morning. Here's a question I want to ask you. Aren't there lots of good people in the world who don't know the Lord? So what's the difference? What's the difference if you're nice and they're nice? How in the world... Are our goods going to cause people to praise or glorify God in heaven when there are lots of people doing so-called good deeds? You see, if you can't answer that question, you don't understand what Jesus is saying over here. When Jesus speaks about us being the light of the world, he means two things. Number one, that the kingdom of God that he was talking about, and I'll unpack this in a minute, The kingdom of God that he's talking about has a culture or lifestyle of its own. I think most of us are familiar with with what we mean when we speak about cultural differences. Are you all familiar with what that term means? You know, we can can speak about a, a culture of shame. Now, often when I talk to missionaries, they'll speak about the culture in which we're working is a culture of shame. And so people don't want to be shamed in that culture. That's what it means. We can talk about a culture of materialism. We can talk about a culture of honor. But in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is going beyond that and he's saying, I want to explain to you that the kingdom is a certain culture. And here's the culture of the kingdom. It is humility. It is purity. It is honor. It is forgiveness. It is power. It is kindness. It's gentleness. It's a culture of faith. It's a culture of hope. It's a culture of love. It's a culture where there are signs and wonders and miracles. Here's the point. We don't only do certain things and refrain from certain things because we are told to. We do this because this is the culture of the kingdom. It's a lifestyle that we're called into. You see, there are a lot of people that say, well, I mustn't do this or I must do that. Jesus is saying, if you come into the kingdom, you are coming into a culture of the kingdom, and we do what we do because that's the way we live now. That's what it means to be part of the kingdom. But it also means that the other thing that it means is that wherever this kingdom culture is evident through us, other people become aware of God. So I want you to understand what he means when he speaks about your good deeds. He is not just being, talking about being a nice person. He's saying that you are part of the kingdom. The kingdom has a certain lifestyle or a culture. And when you do the good works of the kingdom, people become aware of God. That makes sense to you? So Jesus, when he starts off, what's called here the Sermon on the Mount... His very first sentence when he addresses the crowd in Matthew 5 verse 3 is blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. Matthew uses the phrase the kingdom of heaven. And what he's saying is this, is that when people recognize the poverty of their lives, if you will, the spiritual poverty of their lives, because, and I want to emphasize this, because of what the kingdom is like, the first step, their first step to participating in this kingdom is saying, I need that. My life is empty compared to this kingdom. To a, compared to all that Jesus is talking about. My life is barren. I'm in poverty. There's something better that God's got for me. And when people are citizens Of this new kingdom. Their lives are blessed and I want to tell you how they're blessed. They're blessed because of God's goodness. Not just because of goodness. There's lots of goodness in the world. They are blessed because God's goodness is a different kind of goodness and a better kind of goodness. They they are blessed because of God's kindness, God's love, God's generosity. You see, when you factor God into that whole thing, everything becomes significantly different. They are blessed because they can have faith in God for the first time. They can have hope in God because they love God. They are blessed. They are blessed because they can hear God speaking to them. They can see God working through them. They're aware of what God is doing all around. Do you see that the kingdom is all about God? (laughs) That's why we're blessed. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, if I can take from what I've been saying, it's when this kingdom culture is evident through what people do. Through your good deeds, Jesus says, people praise God because they see that God is at work in your life. They see the love of God. They see the power of God. They discover the goodness of God. You see, that's the difference between the kingdom and everybody else. Other people, many other people will do good deeds, but kingdom people do kingdom good deeds. That's the difference. So Jesus is not only telling people to do good things. He's saying this, as this culture of the kingdom infiltrates our lives and our hearts and our attitudes, we are like a city on a hill or a light on a stand. Once again, as I said before, We might downplay the impact and the importance of what we say and do. And Jesus says, don't overlook the impact of a kingdom lifestyle on other people. You say, well, I'm just a nobody. You just say, well, I'm doing lots of stuff behind the scenes. You know what Jesus said? You're the light of the world. (laughs) He says, when you live kingdom... When the lifestyle of the king, when the culture of the kingdom is evident in life, know what happens? People see God. They can't help it. They're going to see God. There's something I want to touch on in the context of this message this morning. And it's this. It's the overflow of what's happening in our hearts. And what God is doing in our lives. And it's a very simple principle. What's in our hearts overflows in what we say. It overflows into the way we see things. It overflows in the attitudes here we have. And it overflows in the way we respond to what's happening around us. That's why the Bible says, guard your heart, because it is the wellspring of life. You see, we often think of the kingdom about a whole lot of do's and don'ts. Jesus said the kingdom is all about what's going on inside of you. I want you to do a little exercise, maybe with yourself so we don't become critical. Next time something happens, listen to what comes out of your mouth because it will tell you what's going on in your heart. Straight away, like that. When something's going down around you, Look at the way you're responding. It's going to tell you what's going on in your heart. Maybe there's fear there. Maybe there's anxiety. Maybe there's there's, there's all kinds of things going on in our hearts. And Jesus is saying the kingdom gets hold of people's hearts. And we are what we are because of what's going on in our hearts. That's why Paul encourages people to live by the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit. To have our mindset on what the Spirit desires. Here's what he's saying. The Spirit's at work inside. And when he's at work inside, what happens on the outside shows God's at work. That make sense to you? This is, this is not some weird and wonderful... You see, Jesus is trying to teach that kingdom is inside out, not outside in. Philippians puts it like this. For it is... God who's at work within you both to will and to act. In other words, the way I act and the way that I respond and the things I say is because God's at work in me, He's at work for that purpose. Paul also says we need to have our minds renewed. We need to let the Word of God dwell in us richly. Why? Because it's what's going on inside of us that is evident on the outside of us. In other words, if you and I are going to be salt and light tomorrow morning, we have to stay, and this is no pun, connected. You've got to stay connected. I realized, and I've just been, as I've been praying through this and reading and, and just, yeah, researching, something that became evident to me. That when Followers of Jesus get disconnected. Something begins to happen. And it's, you will all know this. Many of you will know this. Many of you know people who were red hot for God, going for it for God. They were just so full of God and loved Jesus. And they got disconnected and something changed. May I suggest to you what we need to be connected to? Friends, we need to be connected to each other by being here on Sundays. We need to be connected to one another as we meet together in small groups. It is one of the places which you and others are supposed to encourage one another and build each other, pray for one another, spur each other on. That's what's meant to happen there. Friends, you know what happens when people disconnect themselves from fellowship in that way? It affects them. We've got to stay connected to God. I know people often speak about Christians having so-called quiet times or praying or reading the Bible. Try and change that paradigm to staying connected. Jesus says, if you remain in me, and I remain in you. Stay connected to people who are having an influence in your life. Have you got somebody that when you meet with them, their life impacts your life and you say, I'm enriched when I come away there? I think those are some of the things that we we need to remain connected to. And I've noticed something from my own life. When I am with people who are plugged in like this, They're living by the Spirit. God is at work in their lives. They're connected to others. There's there's this constant flow and input into their lives. It affects me, it influences me, it encourages me, and it refreshes me. You see, that's because Jesus said we're salt and light. Take it the other way around. Look at when you sum with somebody who's living that rich life with the Lord. What happens? It impacts you. You know it. I know it. That's what Jesus is talking about here. It's what's in us that affects those who are around us. Now, I heard a message this week. I was listening to somebody speaking, and he made a statement that's kind of, got a hold of me a little bit I'm going to ask you the question he asked he said are Christians thermostats or thermometers are Christians thermostats or thermometers what's a thermometer do it tells you the temperature of something what's a thermostat do it regulates the temperature What's a Christian? thermostat or a thermometer? What is Jesus saying over you? You're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. You're a thermostat. We are supposed to be bringing the influence the kingdom is having on us into every situation we find ourselves. You are the salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world. Now to get back to where we started this morning, loving Monday, (laughs) rediscovering the unique role that we have in the marketplace, being salt and light. When you go back to work, or to school, or hang out with friends, go shopping, all the other things we do, I want you to remember this, you are, I am, You you are, you are, you are, you are, you are, you are, you are. I am, you're the salt and you're light to somebody that's near you. I want to tell you a secret this morning. Most times you don't even know who you've impacted, but you have. Have you ever been maybe somewhere with a group of people and somebody who's a citizen of the kingdom has said something and you've gone away, it's just like dropped in your spirit. And you thought, wow, I've never thought about that. Wow, it's just like, made such an impression on you. And you mull over it, you think over it maybe for months, and and as you're thinking over it for months, you just say, wow, I just can't get away from it. It's really speaking into my life. That's being salt and light. You see, sometimes you won't even see it. Trust me, it happens because Jesus said so. See, as the kingdom culture defines the way we do life, God's hand is evident. God's goodness is revealed, God's power is discovered, and God's ways are displayed. This series we're beginning, I'm hoping to do twice more during the course of this year. I want to do, this is part one, there's going to be part two and part three. Because of my sense is that what the Spirit is saying to the church, get out there. And be salt tonight. Get out there and be salt tonight. There's lots of decay. There's lots of breakdown. There's lots of fear. There's lots of apprehension. There's lots of people that have a doubt whether God even barely exists. This is our hour. Now, may I say this in closing? Number one. God has placed each person where they are for a reason. It's to be salt and light. And you might say, well, you don't know what's happened in my life. I've just lost my job or things have really gone. Friends, God has placed you where you are for a reason. To be salt I want you to bring God into this. I want you to realize this morning, your life ain't an accident. But there is a sovereign hand of God on you to be able to be salt and light. Second thing is when our perspective changes, our approach changes. You see, the moment you wake up every day and you say to yourself, I'm salt and I'm light, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be different. When you wake up in the morning and say, I'm useless, having a bad day, I'm terrible, you know what happens? Usually you are useless and you do have a bad day. Jesus is saying, you are salt, you are light. And the last thing is my sense is this morning, whatever God starts to alert the church to is because there's about to be an increase. He is about to do something. And God always makes His people aware of what's going to happen so that they can come into alignment with what He's doing. Jesus said of His own ministry, the Son can do nothing. He only does what He sees His Father do. Now the same is true of us today. The Father reveals to us where He's at work so that we can join Him in what He is already doing. And So may I say tomorrow... Go there expecting to see Him at work. Now sometimes you will physically see it and other times you will know it by faith. Trust God for the influence of the kingdom on businesses. Byron's been talking about this. And that's only one dynamic, one part of it is business. You know what's really excited me, and there's, there's quite a group of people behind the scenes. You may not be aware of it, that have really have a sense of God calling them to integrate their faith into their business, and live kingdom and do business kingdom with kingdom principles. And the kingdom's going to influence business, and kingdom's going to influence families, and may I say, kingdom's going to influence politics. See, there's no space you're not, salt and light. No space. My sense this morning is this: Let's stop down playing what Jesus said about us. Let's stop saying it can never be me. Let's say, stop saying I can't. Let's stop saying I will never make a difference. Let's stop saying my life will never be an influence. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Why? Because you're citizens of another kingdom. That's why. It's a kingdom that thrives by on the spirit. It's a kingdom where we live by God's power and God's grace. We are what we are because of what he's doing in us. It's the culture of the kingdom. That's what Jesus meant when he said, you're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. That's what it means to be the church at work. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just am once again blown away and astounded at the profound impact that the kingdom of God has on people's lives. Lord, what happens when you reign in our lives, when you rule in our lives, Lord, when when your power is at work in our lives, when your grace is at work and your love is at work, that we become citizens of a different kingdom. Lord, I thank you that you spoke those profound words. You are the salt of the earth. And you are the light of the world. And Lord, you've placed people here in this building in so many different circumstances. Some looking after their grandchildren. Some people who are serving and helping with NGOs. Others, Lord, who have have relationships with significant people. Lord, all over the show, you've sown our lives right across the city to be salt and light. Father, I want to pray that our hearts will be alert to what you do, that you'd show us, Lord, how we can align ourselves with you. And Lord, we want to pray together and make Cape Town be different because of that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Now, just before you leave, let me just share with you where we're going to in the series. Um, What I've asked is, because I know when you look at me, um, you say, well, you're a pastor and you're working in the church all the time. The rest of us, we're out there at the coalface. So so what I've done is over the next two weeks, we're going to have two of the people from our church who are in business. We're not going to talk to you about business, but about being salt and light as people who are at the coalface. And I think there's a bridge that happens there that they're going to say, I'm at the coalface like all the rest of you. Now let me talk to you about being the church at work. So over the next two weeks, we're going to be doing that. And we're going to be doing the same at Muesenberg as well. All right. God bless you today.